what do I define about growing up? You know what I'm saying? Like, feeling better, living better, better location. What he failed to tell you was, when you're on my time, I can reclaim it. I, he left that out, so I'm reclaiming my time. Please, you respond. Are you kidding Who are you rooting for tonight? I'm rooting for, um, everybody black. Betting on black tonight. I'm sorry. The realness. Hey, everybody. It's Whitney from WhitneyDanielle.com and NetworkAndSpill.com. And on this episode of Network and Spill, we've got a hashtag How Did We Meet episode. And this is an episode that's been pending for many moons. I'm really excited because the stars have finally aligned and I have this guest here. And if, I, if I'm correct, I think she's the guest that I've had on the show that, I, that I've known the longest. Like I'm pretty sure I don't... I don't think I've had anybody on this show that I've known longer than Acacia. I'll have to look back. But Acacia Olson is somebody who I met a while ago, obvi. And we're going to talk about how we met. We're going to talk about all of her background and her past and, and just all the things that she's got working on now and for the future. So I'm really excited to talk to her and, and to give you guys some tips and tricks about really what she's bringing to the table because she's doing a lot right now and um, she just has a lot to offer. So I'm really glad to have this guest. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her website. So by the way, if you have your phone out, make sure you follow her. She's got two IG pages like I do. Um, her first one is her personal page, which is rhymes with underscore Acacia and it's R-H-Y-M-E-S with spelled normal underscore Acacia, A-C-A-S-I-A. And so that's her main page. And then she actually has a travel page, which is really, really cute. And lots of like really phenomenal travel pics and just like her family doing cool stuff. Um, and that page is olsonville.adventure.squad. And you guys know, I put all this stuff in the show notes, but I just figured if you had your phone out, you could just whip it out and Google it real quick on, on the gram. Um, she does have a link in her bio, which has more information, has her beautiful website, which you should absolutely just peek at just to be nosy because it's phenomenal. Um, the pictures are just incredible. But one of the things that I wanted to just read to you real quick was what she put in her bio here. So on her website, if you go to the extra section and you go to about, she says that she is a motivated, melanated mill spouse, mom and travel maven. And she's a Spelman grad. She's done all of these amazing things. She's traveled so much. And we're going to talk about that. She's just one of my favorite people. So without further ado, Hello, Acacia. Hi, Whitney. How are you? <laughs> I'm well. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Going pretty good. Had a decent Memorial Day weekend and um, enjoyed time with family. So can't complain. Happy to be here. And thank you for having me. And thank you for that cool introduction. Appreciate it. You know it. Of course. Yeah. I've, um, I've really been looking forward to this because you are always doing something cool. And you always have something profound to say. Um, and when you don't, you're just a really good listener. And so that's kind of rare <laughs> in, <laughs> in people. Um, and it's just one of my favorite things about you. And so following your journey since, I mean, we graduated high school has been really, really, really fun. But I did want to talk first before we get into anything else about how we met. Yeah. <laughs> Many moons ago. Can you believe it? We graduated from high school. Should I put that out there? You know, mm -hmm. I was about to say, wait. <laughs> <laughs> we graduated from high school a minute ago. And so mm -hmm. we met in high school freshman year. 
we were both, in, I don't even remember what class it was. I really am racking my brain trying to remember what class or if there was like even a class we met at or if it was in the cafeteria or some sort of like orientation section, you know, segment. But I do remember we had a few classes together. We were both in the IB program, International Baccalaureate, for those who don't know. And we were, uh, t- we took a few classes together, did a few group assignments together. Um, oh my goodness, you've had me over your your parents' house, your family's house, a uh, different occasion. So yeah, we've, we've hung out. We've, we've known each other for a good little minute. It's, yeah, gone through Adams Morgan in DC. It's just been really cool. It's, it's been a treat. I'm grateful for our friendship and grateful for just the fact that our paths not only crossed, but we've continued to stay in touch. So me too. 1000%. And that's, I think one of the best parts. So yeah, we met in high school and we did all of that. We had a pretty good time in high school and then we graduated and then we had even more fun. Um, I stayed in the DC area and then you went to Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And where did you go to school? Went to Spelman College in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> the Spelman College. Oh my gosh. It's a great school. I won't take that away from it. I definitely am grateful for having experienced that, that just that phenomenal um, journey in the four years of, you know, just kind of like that Spelman journey in general. It was, it was beautiful. It was profound. So, yeah. I know. I wish I would have like visited you on campus. That's one thing I probably should have done more. Cause I know my sister, Elise, like her, her friends go to different schools and mm-hmm. she's got a friend out in Miami and she's got a friend that went to Penn state and she went to Penn state a few times. And I'm just like, I should have done that. Why didn't I do that? Ooh. And I think, Pro students. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I think it was because I went to Howard for two years mm-hmm. and then, wait, was it two years? I don't even remember. I went to Howard for like a year and then I was like, I don't want to do this major. So mm-hmm. I changed from mechanical engineering and I like stopped. I don't remember. I went one or two years. I can't remember. Actually, I think I just went, let's just say I went one. So I went to Howard for one year, freshman year. I did mechanical engineering. I was like, this is whack. I don't want to do engineering. Mm -hmm. So then I was like, well, can I do design? Like, can I draw? Am I artistic? I Mm -hmm. don't know. And so I went back, did all these art classes. I was like, wow, I'm actually pretty good. And this is way more fun. So I did, I did design, but then I got back into Howard and went to their design school. And then I was like, but they're, they're, design school, their fine arts school wasn't as good as their engineering school. And I was like, well, it's taking too long to graduate. So I went to Mason. And so I think I was probably just too busy, like jumping around to visit people. But I really wish I had because everybody that I meet who went to Spelman is just so fun. And they just seem so cultured and people from Howard are too, but I don't know. I just think there's something special about Spelman ladies. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know how to put. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to articulate it. It's um. You know, it's pretty phenomenal. I think, it, and it's funny because I look at Howard too, and I feel like it's like a, a, the black mecca. You know, just like a phenomenal institution. It's in D.C. Um, there's so much opportunity within and outside of the school setting, and I feel like that's the same for for Spelman in terms of just being in Atlanta, having all sorts of access to opportunities. Um, we are part of the Atlanta University Center. So it's basically a consortium of historically black colleges and universities all within this, like just this really close uh, area, like Morehouse is across the street, Clark Atlanta is across the street, Morehouse School of Medicine. Um, and 
yeah, the beloved Morris Brown, which is no longer, well, it's, it's functioning. I think there's still some students who attend, but it's um, unfortunately not accredited. So, but nevertheless, it's still there. It's the spirit of Morris Brown exists. So yeah, I think it's just, it's a school that um, cultivates excellence. Not that others don't. I just, there's certain things about my experience that I wouldn't trade for the world. And even just the introduction to the the experience when I got accepted and they, they have this thing called spellbound where you, you're invited to come down and get to know the, the, the campus body, the students who are, who, you know, the ones who were accepted and those who are active, the current students and the administration and professors. And um, when we first came on board and we did this sort of parting ceremony, it was like an initiation where we, there's the Giwan Mata, my African dance instructor, she and her, her girlfriends have this African dance group and they have this procession where they're playing drums and music. And they're just basically like welcoming us almost like a, a journey through like a birthing journey, like welcoming us to welcoming us home in a way. Um, almost like a scene from Wakanda, from Black Panther and Wakanda, you know? So it's, I can't say that that's the, it's exclusive to Spelman, but I can definitely say I'm grateful for having that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, uh, if you're listening and you, um, and you're in like, I guess the college age, or even if you're looking to go to your master's, I get your master's somewhere or a PhD program, whatever. I know there's a lot of schools to consider, but, um, there was something really profound and, and really special about going to an HBCU mm-hmm. and being around so many amazing women of color. Yeah. I mean, there were some, you know, people who were black, I guess on campus, yeah. but um, <laughs> it's still like one of the coolest experiences I've personally ever had. And I think um, it's just really fun. And you mentioned Memorial day, which I do want to get into because growing up, both of our parents were in the military, right? You're, when did your dad retire? He retired, I believe, right after I graduated from high school. I feel like it was right before I went off to college. He retired and he did 21 years in the military. And so, yes, he, he yeah. yeah, long My dad long did too. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. my dad. So freshman year, 2004, <laughs> <laughs> so freshman year, he, um, he actually got orders to go out overseas and um, it was either he went by himself to Korea for a year or he brought the family and he would have to stay for two years, like the whole family. And we, I mean, my parents had just bought a house. Oh. Um, they, you know, I was about to go to college mm-hmm. or sorry, they had just bought a new house because they, we lived um, on the other side of the t- of town and then we kind of moved across the railroad tracks. But yeah. And it was like my freshman year. I'm like, I want to go. I want to mm-hmm. go. If we're going mm-hmm. to somewhere cool or, you know, I'd love to go to Japan. Like I'm down for whatever. Yeah. Sometimes they give you, you know, you options. So he was like, well, I mean, all this is going on. And I think my grandpa was really sick. So mm-hmm. he went by himself and, um, and then he retired a little bit later. I think it was, um, I want to say it was in 2006. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we grew up military kids, so we were kind of used to, I made that like random transition because we grew up always having to be like in new groups and like yes. be around new people and different folks and having to like make your friendship circles. And when you go to college, mm-hmm. that's a huge culture shock because you typically don't have your high school friends. And even if you go to like a local school, like a commuter school, you're still not going to like be doing the same stuff. Like you're not Mm going to have the same major. Most likely you're not going to run in the same social circles, most likely. And you're not going to have the same interests sometimes either. So we're used to doing that. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's a, and it, but the funny thing is every time you evolve and there's also this, like, I, I can speak for myself, 
the learning process. Like I could tell you when, when I went to Spelman, I still felt like I was back freshman year in high school, like learning from scratch, everybody. Cause you know, now you're coming into it from people from all over the country, even the world coming into this new environment. Some people had already known each other from, I guess, just being in high school. And then there are other people who seem to gel immediately. Um, we had our orientation groups, which was just basically groups of us who were um, put together based on last name and, that kind of helped, you know. In fact, one of my my closest friends is uh, I met her through the orientation group that we were we were in, so we still keep in touch. And um, let's see, I d- I do feel like you you learn to adapt, you learn to connect with people. It's an interesting thing because you feel like you know you. <laughs> You you almost feel like you know a lot. It, this is it's going to sound arrogant, so please bear with me. You having met so many people throughout your life in so many different settings, you almost feel like you should have it figured out when you go to new environments and meet new people. But for me, I've had to still learn how to adapt and adjust and um, not take it personal if I don't immediately meet a new person. Like even now as a military spouse, sometimes I feel like, oh man, you know, I have to start from scratch. And these women knew each other from this duty station and that duty station. And now I'm starting from scratch. Uh, I should be over this by now. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an adult. <laughs> but um, so on one hand, like I feel like we do well with getting to know people swiftly because we have to do it. And on the other hand, it can it can be taxing because you're always having to do it. So you, it's like, okay, when is it going to be a point in which I'm not trying to make new friends all over again in a new city, in a new state, in a new environment? Um, I think that's just the world we live in, though. It's so tr- it's so transient, so nomadic that perhaps we do have an upper hand in having done this all our lives. Now we're we just kind of get you just roll with it. That's true. That's true. I mean, I feel like for sure as a, as a military kid, I mean, we moved every five minutes and I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, great. I meet somebody, you know, you meet somebody new and you're like, okay, cool. We're friends. Yay. And then they leave and then you meet somebody else and then you're like, okay, well, it's my time to go. Gotta go. Bye. Yeah. Whole thing again. So when you get to college, it's the same thing. And then Mm -hmm. even like in work, right. In work environments, I know you've been doing a lot of different things with work. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you were overseas and we'll talk about that in a minute, um, you weren't necessarily going into an office, but you did have to acclimate and, you know, immerse in this new culture. And so there's like, when, even when you're moving from kind of job to job, or even as you just get older, I'm sure your social circle has slightly shifted when you became a mom yeah. um, or when you went overseas, right? Like I just said, so you're yeah. going to always, I think to your point, we're always going to be acclimating and, and getting new people um, in our, in our social circles, like in our realm of, of however we communicate our network, whether it's going out and partying or, you know, a book club or whatever our interests may be, but we're always constantly grabbing and, and sort of putting, having to put ourselves out there. Right. If we want to have that connection, which in reality is super important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, after Spellman, you went across country, right? Cause you were, you were in Atlanta, then you moved up to DC mm-hmm. and then you went to Washington state. And that's where we, I think we kind of like really reconnected. Um, when I was, I was in San Diego and then you were in Washington state. So we were both on the West coast yeah. and we would like, like make our little traditions and we would catch up a lot. And I really like, that was one of my favorite memories of like the past. Yeah. I, re- I do remember that. I remember because it, it was weird. I, okay, so going back to friends, being out West. So I was out there for this fellowship with the Centers for Disease Control. And Chris and I had just moved out there for 
BC, his job, because he's in the Navy. And so it was his first duty station, first assignment with the Navy. And I didn't, so Seattle has this thing called Seattle Freeze, where unless you're from there, a lot of times only Seattle lights kind of connect with each other. I guess it's just such a transient city that everyone's moving in for tech reasons or job reasons. And so it's almost like this sort of uh, protective measure that native Seattleites have where they don't necessarily befriend easily. I don't know. This is, it's not, a, I don't want to sound like it's a stereotype, but it's something I've heard and experienced. So I met a lot of great people in Seattle and don't get me wrong. Um, but because I was new as a military spouse, I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump right into that title. I didn't even want to own it. I kind of wanted to just be my own person and, and maintain and, and manage my own career. However, I really appreciated being able to connect with you um, because it was like, okay, here's somebody who I know, <laughs> you know, I'm not starting from scratch. I'm not trying to present myself or go in like a friendship interview. Like we know each other. We talk about yoga and wellness. We talk about book club recommendations. I think you told me about the happiness project. Um, you even sent me a copy. We had our exchange what we had our, um, you were so awesome with this too, with the wine glasses and you'd send me those Lolita wine glasses with the different artwork on. I still have mine. I still have them on full display, every last one. And I don't even know if I've drunk out of any of them. I just didn't want to like, I, I don't know. Do you normally drink out of those, the Lolita ones? Or Heck yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. I just thought they were art. I was like, I want to drink out of the artwork. But <laughs> well, you get like, so when you have like a collection, it makes it easier because then you're only really drinking out of one of them. Like okay. every, you know what I mean? Like it's every occasion or something. So right? often. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So you gave me my first one. I still have my my Lolita ornament, which I'm excited to put out on my Christmas tree this year. Um, yeah. So we would we would keep in touch, and that was awesome. I remember you, your your Z. Your what was her name? What is what is her name? Diva? No. <laughs> Sex Z. Sex Z. Yes. That's right. Yes. So yeah. Um, so that was cool. Just having a, a familiar face in person, and just having a friend in the same time zone, and you know, it's also we were in totally different seasons of life in terms of just being grown women <laughs> and growing up, you know, and, and just trying to figure out life. So experiencing that together was cool. Yeah. It's good times. I think, you know, for people listening who have friends that they've lost touch with, that they were, you know, cool with at one point, I do find that if, you know, that person, if you feel called to reach out and like just connect or to rekindle something, I really recommend doing it because you don't know where people are and what they're dealing with. And even though your friend may have gotten married or they may have moved across country or they may have, you know, completely shifted careers and maybe you worked together in one industry um, or they have a child or they, whatever, right? Who knows? They change their religion. It doesn't matter. I think a lot of times if you have something that's like a foundation of some sort, you really can build off of it if you really want to. And in reality, we don't always get the opportunity to build foundations off of, you know, foundations that already exist. We kind of have to start from scratch and starting from scratch, like you said, can be very difficult. So we kind of have to weigh the pros and cons, which there always will be. Now I want to talk about you being abroad because you were abroad for quite a while. How, how is that? Yeah, we were overseas for five years. Um, we left from Seattle or the Puget Sound area to Bahrain. And that was only supposed to be a two year stint. And we did two-year commitment because kind of like you alluded to earlier when your dad was given an opportunity to go to Korea, it was either one year 
uh, unaccompanied or two years accompanied, that was Chris's option. We had two years if I came and he would do one year if I didn't come. And I was like, heck yeah, I'm coming um, because that's so unique. Like where, when else in my life can I say I've lived in one, the Middle East, but two, this place called Bahrain, which is the literally a desert island. Like if you say, oh, well, if you could take a book to, you know, if you're stranded on a desert island, who would you take? Like that's really the easiest and most realistic experience where I could say, I lived on a desert island with somebody. Um, so we were there for two years. And funny story is I actually had met a woman from Bahrain when I was in grad school. Uh, her name stood out to me and I just asked her a little about herself. And she was like, yeah, I'm from Bahrain. And I was like, what? What is that? Where is that? She told me. And then years later, here I am in her country because she had moved back after grad school. And I got to meet her while we were there. I reached out to her, found out where she was, you know, and we a few times had like coffee or lunch or whatever. So that was a treat. And that goes back to staying in touch with people, right? Like just trying to stay connected. Um, and then after time in Bahrain, we Chris got an opportunity. He was invited to, because uh, we were going to go to San Diego after Bahrain. We were going to return to the U.S. and re, you know reconnect with life in the U.S. And then they offered him an opportunity to, to do um, a tour in Spain. And I was like, absolutely. Because years before, I told him before, when we were still in grad school, before the military was an option, before the CDC was an option, I was like, hey, let's move to Spain and teach English. And my husband's very practical, very logical. And he's like, oh, yeah. First of all, the economy may not be the best right now to go to Spain. Like you might want to like really reconsider it. And two, maybe we need to have jobs lined up before we just jump on a plane and go into another country. And I was like, yeah, that's what we would teach English. <laughs> so long story short, found ourselves in Spain in this town called Rota, the southern part um, in the, the region of Andalusia, where like Sevilla and Granada and some of the more um, widely known cities of Spain are not in the capital, because that's Madrid and not Barcelona, which is uh, like the financial hub in the Northeast. But we were in the Southern area, right off the ocean, right at the, at the um, near the beach. It was really a dream. It was a nice place. Got to become more proficient in my Spanish, meet more people, connect. Um, yeah, it was interesting. Being overseas for five years really forced me to grow in community as well. Cause I was so used to doing my own thing stateside. And then when I moved overseas, I really did have to learn how to embrace the military spouse reality and be involved in the military community to an extent that I didn't think I would ever um, imagine. So let's talk about that. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel like that would be so hard because if you're a couple, you're committed to each other, you're in a relationship. Mm -hmm. what, what anniversary number did you guys just hit this month? We're about to hit the 10 year anniversary on the 30th. Well, yeah. On the 30th. Mm -hmm. Yes. So in like just a few days, you're going to get, you're going to have all these, it's just a decade, right? Yeah. All these years. And essentially you are, you are bound to this person. You have legally obligated yourself to them. Mm -hmm. And so now you're in this country, right? You're in these countries, right? Yeah. It's multiple. And you have to, and you, you don't really have your own life or job because mm -hmm. you're there for, you know, them, for the experience, for, you yeah, know, your God. relationship, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's gotta be really hard, right? Oh yeah. It's difficult. I'm not going to lie. It's one of those things where, you know, a number of my girlfriends who were, uh, or who are, who have careers, uh, veterinarians, PhDs, um, degrees in education, you know, it is a, a, a serious adjustment. Uh, I knew when we were in Bahrain, I knew a few attorneys. In fact, in Spain, I have a friend who she, she's an attorney. Like there's just these these women who are very um, career oriented and and uh, entrepreneurial. And 
our careers, our ambitions, either we have to pivot and readjust or we put them on hold and get adjust, just kind of figure it out as we go. And it can be very stressful and challenging because on top of our career adjustments, if we can't find work in our field in the country we move to, there are uh, families where their service member is, they call it forward deployed. So he or she is on a ship for an extended period. So you're in this new country and you're, you know, oh my gosh, it's so exotic or it's so, you know, fancy or it's so different. But it can be stressful when your service member, your significant other is gone for extended periods and you don't have them to enjoy it with. So one, I have to say I'm grateful that Chris was not in a position where I couldn't see him. You know, we saw each other every day. However, um, I had to get creative. So when we were in Bahrain, you know, I had, I had, I had my master's, I had a master's in public health. Um, I just finished my fellowship with the CDC and I wasn't working for a good little chunk of time because there wasn't anything that was in line with my field, even though they had a clinic on base that was specifically for service members, unless you were active duty or had a contract with the government um, to do you know, medical work. You couldn't just work in, in the in the clinic. I even had a girlfriend who was a dental assistant trying to like volunteer in the dental in the dental office on base, and that didn't pan out um, per se. And to work in the country means that you have to basically denounce your sponsorship because the military will sponsor you as a spouse, is that what we would call dependents or what we are called. So under your service member, you're kind of sponsored. So that means you get like eligibility to physically be there and live there. Well, if you want to work in that country for a company in the country outside of the military, then you have to get sponsorship with the country, which means that you revoke your military visa and you have to take on a country visa. It gets complicated. And what I'm saying is not even, it's not, um, it's not secret scroll information. It's out there. It's just, it changes all the time. So what I'm saying today could be different next month for some people in other countries. So when I was in Bahrain, I worked in finance and it was funny because you're like, well, how do you go from public health to finance? I had studied um, statistics, epidemiology, numbers, data analysis. I love that sort of thing. And I also was um, I would say savvy and just explaining things. And I had a knack for organizing numbers and spreadsheets in Excel and just kind of playing with systems around numbers. So it was one of those playing to that strength. And when I had an opportunity to apply for the position, um, I was like, absolutely, let's do it. So in that, in that example, you just got kind of have to, depending on who you are and the opportunity, um, be willing to pivot and play to your strengths. When we were in Spain, I worked as a director of religious education for the chapel. Again, not public health related, but in public health and in other worlds, you know, and other um, opportunities I had before then, I had done some education work. I'd done curriculum development. Um, I started a Bible study when I was in Spelman, you know, so I, I did have a, a knack for the the my faith tradition and, and understanding how to connect with people in that space. So pivot. You know, and we had to build, I had to build a program from scratch for the children's ministry because we had like a little downtime. And so with that, it was interesting because it spoke to my program management skills. How do you build something from scratch? How do you organize a team? How do you work with people and and, and play to their strengths so that you all can come together and build something that's beneficial to everybody involved and the community that you're serving? So um, it, it takes just being creative, being flexible, knowing how to be nimble. And it's not always easy because you're in another country where they speak languages different from your own. 
and you're there because you're significant other and things can get stressful. Um, but it, it just, it, it, it's just all about uh, perspective and attitude as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, perspective is everything. And I think too, it almost mirrors like just meeting people in general, right? Mm-hmm. You have to be creative. You have to be open-minded. You have to be willing to accept a challenge because people are challenging and life is challenging and work is challenging when you want to busy yourself. You know, you want to have something that you're doing that's constructive Mm -hmm. and you want to keep your mind because a lot of times, like when I was a kid, um, my dad was stationed, I think his first duty station was in Alaska. Okay. And so we were in Alaska. My mom went right. Mm -hmm. And she had me, I was a baby and there was, she was by herself. I mean, she was in a log cabin in, in the woods, literally by herself. And this was before, social media. This yeah. was before Netflix and HBO go. This mm-hmm. was before, you know what I mean? Like this was before the even like ages. cell phones. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. And you know, you're in Alaska where it's dark all the yeah. time. So like, there are so many parameters that I think a lot of people don't even really realize mm-hmm. that come into effect when you look at, um, relocating your life and kind of starting from scratch in a completely new environment. Um, So there's a ton of different things that I think can be really difficult, but like you said, there are pros and cons. I think, you know, like you said, going, being able to go to a new place that you've never been, being able to be close to the beach, being able to explore, being able to build on your Spanish language. Um, I mean, you had your daughter in was it in Rota or was yeah. it in Spain? Yeah, like, Rota, Spain. It was on base. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Born there. So being I mean, pregnant so in another cool. country. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, that's something that she'll always be able to say. And um, also, you just like you teaching her the language mm-hmm. and that being a part of I know you mentioned that to me in, in just regular conversation that it's important for her to know both languages. And she'll, at that point, her network will be able to expand as she gets older because she'll be able to communicate with people who speak Spanish. And then when she travels, maybe yeah. she wants to go back to Spain one day Oh yeah, and travel around. She'll be able to pick it up. And, and you know what I mean? Like have a great time. Yeah. That's the goal. My hope and prayer is that, you know, as, um, as I'm expecting baby number two in August. And my hope and prayer is that as our children grow, as we continue in this military experience, and I know this isn't a military specific discussion that, that we're having. Um, that's just the season of life that I'm in. So I'm speaking to that. But even if we weren't military, a military family, we definitely would travel. We would definitely make um, make it a priority to expose our children to the best of our ability to cultures, communities, people, languages outside our own. I, I, I credit my upbringing with that, having lived in Germany when I was a, a preteen and teenager and getting outside of the the confines of my country, seeing the world in a, in a new light, seeing my home country from another country's perspective because I was in another land, almost looking into the U.S. from the outside. And having done that three times in my life now at three different seasons of my life is pretty interesting. But going back to even just raising my children, making sure that they're global citizens, I think it's a, it's a blessing and, and a gift to grow up in a country where we have access to so many people who come from so many different walks of life, um, even within the, the Black community itself. You know, I don't even want to dismiss how diverse we are as a people. We're not a monolith. Um, and at the same time, building on looking across the, the, the borders of our within our country, you know, within the continent, um, North America, and then, of course, around the globe. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. I know um, you're expecting and you've been expecting, you know, during this whole COVID time. Um, I'm very curious, how has that been for you? <laughs> it's been interesting. I, I, I'm going to say this. Um, because we moved to the U.S., in January, I had been so busy getting settled, getting adjusted, creating or deciding, you know, figuring out our routine that when the pandemic hit U.S. shores and everything started to like build up, I might have been watching what was going on in Spain because we had just left Spain and it got worse in Spain before it came to the U.S. But, um, you know, I think I have been so focused on and I had been so focused on getting settled and getting adjusted to life back in the U.S. and then chasing after a toddler and making sure that there is normalcy for her, that the idea of what what it looks like to be pregnant during a pandemic didn't strike me probably until I had to start going to doctor's appointments at a clinic that had to start enforcing serious screening restrictions and making sure nobody came in sick, you know, just the, the, the standard protocol to keep everyone safe and healthy. Um, it's been okay because I try not to be anxious. I try to just stay optimistic. Uh, I try to not look at the news too much. It's hard. My background's in public health. My husband's background is in public health. That's what he does for his job as well. So it's around me all the time, but I, I've been, able to stay positive and optimistic. And I think just me focusing on my writing or, you know, reliving some of the trips that we've taken throughout the past five years and developing travel content that can help people. So when we can travel again, you have some useful resources, you know, um, and getting ready to welcome another child in the midst of like raising a toddler, all of that's been so consuming that I haven't been too anxious about like, what is, you know, what does this look like for me? Which, yeah, which is good because the news is scary. And um, even the news today, I mean, the news, there's always something going on. And if it's not Corona, it's something else, right? Karen Karen losing her mind (laughs) and having the caucasity to get on video acting crazy. I just, you know... I'm not even going to go on a tangent because she's not worth it. It's just very frustrating because it's just, we we aren't winning in the news and granted the news was never really set up for us to win. Mm. Um, It's just, it's just sad to continually watch this, especially when we're homebound and we're only out running the streets, right? Just like you said, when you're busy with other things, Mm -hmm. it makes it easy for you not to pay attention to the elephant in the room. Um, But however, if you're just sitting in that room, you know, twiddling your thumbs or you're in that room long enough, Mm -hmm. you do have to look at it. So, um, it it, it is, it it is what it is. Um, well, no, it's funny you say that because I even thought about, I I did a piece about like how oddly enough, and I'd be curious to know if this is something either you can relate to any of your listeners, oddly enough, when the pandemic did come about or when we can, you know, when we got more, give, gave it more attention, there was this odd sigh of relief because being black in America, returning to the U.S., knowing what I didn't have to face uh, is extensively overseas. I really did um, think, OK, now the attention won't be on me. You know, like now I won't be on trial for existing because more people are focused on this pandemic than like my black existence. You know what I mean? So 
that wasn't, that's a, I have to say that's an interesting lens to look through in the midst of a pandemic. However, we've obviously found that that's not the case in the past, you know, based on the data, um, the data based on, um, you know, just recent news incidents and stuff. So, uh. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's, it, it, it all, I think to your, I think one thing I will say about just you as a person is, you know, your ability to remain graceful and calm has just always been a, a part of your makeup. It seems like I've rarely seen you like super frazzled or just all up in arms. Whereas I feel like my family is like the exact opposite of that. We are quite dramatic. We are quite extra in every way you could possibly mean that. And that's just kind of how we are. We're a little loud. We're a little crazy. We get on each other's nerves. We, we do a lot. And I think there's something to be said about being able to find that stillness and to find that calm, um, no matter the circumstance and no matter how, you know, intensely the boat is rocking back and forth. Yeah. I think the world needs both. And I'm grateful for the drama. And it sounds weird because it's like, well, you know, for a person who seeks to cultivate peace all the time, I can truly appreciate the drama. It, it, because those who know how to tap into it, 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 there is a level of catharsis that you probably experience when you can just release and you don't have it pent up and you don't have to like carry it around on your back or, you know, you probably have it in your psyche at all times because was it James Baldwin says, you know, to be black and aware in America is to be in a constant state of rage. Um, and yet for anyone who cultivates peace, it's still a fight and a struggle. Uh, I could be dramatic. I surely can. But, you know, in the presence of like quiet, com- not even quiet company, like in, in familiar company. Um, so I'll have to let you in on those, those dramatic moments. Cause they're there. <laughs> they're real. I just, I try yeah. to put out peace in the midst of drama. Cause it's almost like my counter. Like I try to counter the drama with the level sure. of calm just to kind of stay afloat. But it, all of it is so essential. It is. And I've learned how to do that more too. Um, for sure. I, I mean, I've never, you know, I'm not that like crazy loud, you know, friend. I've, I've never been that person. Mm-hmm. But, no, um, not. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not that I'm not, I'm going to give myself some credit. I do have, I do have a balance, but I think overall, I think it's still very smart and very mature during these times to try your best to reduce as many stressors as possible. Mm. Because as you know, someone who is pregnant and, you know, is dealing with a lot, right? Mm-hmm. New location, unpacking, a toddler, your husband, your mm-hmm. family, um, and your friends and just everything else. There's a lot happening. So it really is important to try to remain calm. And just for anyone listening that's been dealing with like feeling like they're juggling 80 million things in the air, I think that's what most of us feel. But I think how we choose to deal with it and how we choose to um look at things, right? That perspective that you mentioned earlier is really what's important. And I think right now, due to the health things happening and just dealing with being black in America, we have to do our damnedest to make sure we are calm and that we are healthy really at all times because mm-hmm. there it's just the stress of it all. I mean, they, they talk so much about the studies they've done on stress. And what's crazy is most of these studies are done on Caucasian men who really have things going for them. So just imagine what these studies would say if they really took the time to focus more on, you know, communities of color or people who are actually under the stress of like feeling like they're going to be, you know, killed all the time if they get pulled over or feeling some kind of way entering establishments and being followed around stores. I mean, I can only imagine. And the reason why I'm sure they're not doing these studies is because it makes Caucasian people look so bad. So, you know, 
we all know where this stress is coming from, but why address that elephant in the room when we could just focus on something completely different? Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's important for us to remain calm and safe and to have those. So do you have like a self-care routine or things that you reach to spirituality or maybe a yoga meditation practice? Sure. Yeah. So lately I've been trying to do a morning ritual that involves now trying is the key word because my sleeping habits have been really out of whack. Um, just, just with pregnancy in general. But to sum it up, I do um, have like a devotional app. Of, um, my, my, my faith tradition is Christianity. So I have a devotional app where I read some scripture in the morning and then I'll listen to um, guided meditation via my Calm app. I really do enjoy that. And then I do try and listen to some type of uplifting music, you know, something that just sets the atmosphere, sets the, the day with the positive light and perspective. Um, I do want to get back into yoga. I have been doing it for years, started it like actually having a practice when I was a senior in college. And then um, we moved to like different places we've moved to. I've gone to different studios. My girlfriend, Kay, shout out to Kay. Hey, um, we she was my yoga like guru when I was pregnant. And so I miss her because I really miss having that, that sort of yoga practice while during this pregnancy. Uh, but that's something that I appreciate. And if I can, I'll also make time to go for a walk or do something to kind of get my body moving in the morning or some t- early part of the day so that I'm not just lethargic throughout the day because I can be very tired. I fight, I, I struggle with fatigue. So I bet, I bet I struggle with fatigue and I'm not pregnant. So I can <laughs> imagine what that's like. And it's just, I mean, you're running after a small child. It's got to be tiring. So I'm glad that you have things that you're doing that help. I know walking is actually, for some reason, it doesn't feel like you're doing much, but it actually is really, really nice to just be outside. And now that the weather's finally cooperating, um, we're looking like we're going to get more, you know, consecutively warm days. Mm -hmm. It'll be even better to get out and about and to get that fresh air. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate that. But I did, I did want to ask, I guess this is just like pivoting a teeny bit, but when it comes to you setting up and, and, and looking at 2020, I know you've got the baby coming mm-hmm. in August, but you've been posting, you've been doing a lot on your website. You've got some phenomenal photos of yourself and of, um, your trips. So what have yeah. you got going on right now with that? Yeah. So I, you know, I made it my intention when we moved back to the States, actually, <laughs> I'm a really, I'm big on planning and it's something that I tried not to get too deep into probably before we moved overseas because when I looked at my life five years prior to moving overseas, never in my life did I see that I'd be moving overseas the way I did. So I tried to say, okay, well, maybe I should like step back on extensive planning because life has a funny way of of happening and it sometimes happens a far, you know, far better than you anticipate. However, I can say that it's just in my nature to plan. I'm an INFJ on the Myers-Briggs uh, personality type indicator. So it's just, it's in my core and I've come to embrace it. So to answer your question, before we move back to the States, my intentions into 2020 uh, was to just dedicate my time and, and energy to my writing practice. One thing that I, I failed to mention is I enjoy writing. And so like to the whole cultivating peace, morning ritual, et cetera, Writing is therapeutic for me. Um, so it's gardening, <laughs> but writing has been my go-to for the longest. I have a miniature bookshelf in my bedroom full of all my journals from like the past seven or eight years. I just love writing. So I have decided that I'm going to put my energy into writing about what it's like being um, 
not just me, but putting it into the perspective of, you know, what is it like when you have all these goals and ideas, but you have to adjust and um, still maintain your identity, but now you're married or now you have a child and you're living in different places and you have to reinvent yourself everywhere you go. Like, how do you get through that? Because it's not easy. So some of what I write and some of what my goals are around this um, this website, Rhymes with Acacia, is speaking to and equipping women who are either trying to figure out who they are in a new season of life, whether it's because you're in a relationship with a significant other, because you're married, because you're a mother, a new parent, et cetera, or, um, you know, trying to celebrate who you are in terms of like your, your blackness, you know, melanated, I call it out unapologetically. And that's something that I don't want to ever uh, have people guess or wonder. Um, so, so the writing piece is just me being able to speak to certain things that have happened over my life. resources, tools, insights, and, and gifts, or uh, just, you know, be of service to other people. And that's what 2020 is. Uh, one of the reasons I've gotten back into writing with Wanderlust Wednesday is because I have so much, so many photos from the past five years. And my biggest fear is that something would happen to those files and I would never, ever have any other place to put them. But not only that, like I want my kids to have something to kind of reference when they get older. I want to have more representation of families of color, people of color traveling. And when you look at, you know, Instagram or different travel sites, see that. Um, I want to also challenge the notion that we don't travel as Black people, which I know there are a lot of Black travel movements out there, but I just want to make it like a, a norm as opposed to sort of like a unicorn. And there was something else I was going to say about that because, oh yeah, when we moved, when we went to Sri Lanka, I wanted to say, I'd never forget when we did a lot of our travels people would ask us where we were from and I'd have to, you know, be curious to know what they thought we were from. Nobody guessed that we were from the U.S. Um, And when we were in Sri Lanka and a guy asked me where I was from and I told him the U.S., he looked at me and he looked at my complexion and I'm, I'm a brown skinned black girl. I have have brown, you know, very melanated. And he was like, Oh my gosh, you're, you're American. We're the same color, you know? So it was one of those things where it's like these travels, these write-ups, uh, they just kind of speak to the experience that I have and that we've had and, and the joys of traveling and the joys of connecting with people across cultures. So that's what 2020 is, just writing, reflecting, and sharing. I love this mission. And I'm excited. I'm excited to see because I know you did a really good job at sharing your journey. I know I was on your newsletter and I would see the different stuff that you guys were posting and you would post semi-regularly. And, you know, it was just like so many good, and you've been doing it for years. And so it's really cool, you know, to see these images on Instagram where, you know, as I'm scrolling, I can see, and then I can also go to your page and just like scroll through. Mm -hmm. And it's helpful to me too, because my sister Elise studied in Barcelona. Um, and she was there kind of when you were there right before you left. And I didn't really get to, I didn't get to visit her. Um, but now I know who to ask when it's time for me to go and to plan that trip. And I'm so excited. That's, that's, and that's happened to me a few times where I'll post something and I had a friend of mine, he was going to Morocco. He's like, so where do you think I should go? Because I had gone to three different places in Morocco. He was like, well, should I go here, here, here? And I, I look back and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting because I think about all the people who wrote their articles and their blog posts and their travel itineraries. And had it not been for them taking the time to share, the trips that I took would not have been as rich and as exciting and as you know, shareable, so to speak, as as they were. And so in my mind, I'm like, I want to pay that forward. I want to be able to provide 
to other people, whether it's folks I know or perfect strangers with really great itineraries and maybe even with a twist, you know, something that talks about how to be socially conscious in this location or how not to travel and just do that standard pose. But no, I don't know, just different ways of traveling to to add another another flavor to the travel sphere, the travel dynamics. Um, but yeah, I, I'm grateful to be that resource uh, wherever I can. It's cool. And like you said, you're almost like the, isn't, isn't it called a cultural like attache? Yeah, I like that. Ooh, <laughs> attache. Yeah. I think that's what it's called when like the president or somebody has somebody that tells them like what not yeah. to do to be disrespectful. Yeah. And that I'm pretty sure that's what awesome. Oh, girl, don't put that on my list because I might go there. I think that's hey. wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. I think it's awesome. And it's important because again, right, as black people, we want to make sure we're representing and we know what's going on. And that's where I think a lot of people are just in general, a lot of people of color, not just black people are afraid to travel mm-hmm. because it can be really daunting. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how you're going to be treated. Oh, yeah. You don't know if you're going to be treated well. And there's a lot, I mean, travel in the war. I don't know if you follow that. Oh, yeah. They, oh, yeah. they send out emails. If you guys are into travel at all, um, listening, check out their email. They'll actually do blog posts that kind of speak to that Mm -hmm. um, and then speak to people's experiences. But it's really important because if I'm going to travel, especially alone, and they have a lot of stuff about people traveling alone, but like where to go, where not to go. This is important information. And um, it's just really cool to hear it from your side because, you know, we grew up military. So I feel like we were taught to be a little bit more respectful than like a lot more respectful. Oh yeah. Represent your family, your country. Do not act a hot mess. You know, know yes. where you're at all at all times and know that what you do will reflect on the, the, the nation and the, and the country that you uh, represent. Absolutely. Yeah. And acting a fool could absolutely get your husband <laughs> or your father or your exactly. mother, whoever's in the military, trouble. in big trouble. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, you want to make sure you're acting right. But um, I think that would be really cool to have. So that's another reason why I love following your page. But um, okay, so we mentioned your website, which is rhymeswithacasia.com. And then you've got the two social media accounts. The travel one is the Olsonville dot adventure dot uh, yeah, squad. squad. <laughs> Olsonville.adventure.squad. <laughs> and it's O-L-S-O-N mm-hmm. Bill. Yeah. So follow that account and then follow the rhymes with underscore Acacia account. Um, There's lots of really good content there. Really great videos. Acacia, again, you've been doing really, really well with your Instagram. You were not posting like this before and it's just like, boom, I'm getting all this good, fresh Acacia and like Olsen family content and I'm loving it. I feel a little more settled now that we're here and we've been here for a few months. And then it's also the sort of the time machine, like post before this baby comes and you don't have any, like you can't even think straight. (laughs) So it's like this little moment of, you know, okay, we could do this. Let's do this. So my hope and prayer is that I can maintain it uh, come August when another person is on on board. Um, So, you know, but I'll do what I have to, I'll do my best. And also, you know, I'll, I'll be real and honest that there's always an adjustment with, anything in life, any new life change. So, um, you know, for the record, come August, the the posting may have a different flavor to it in terms of consistency, but I won't stop sharing. And that's, that's just been my priority. So I'll find a way to make it work. Yeah. And there's also, you know, the posting apps too, like Planoly or Hootsuite. Yeah. You can like schedule, schedule stuff out. So mm-hmm. if you wanted to do um, like a whatever post for your anniversary, or if you wanted to do something for uh, maybe even like Veterans Day or mm-hmm. something after the baby is born, 
um, you can always schedule that stuff too. So I'm excited for the content. I'm excited to meet virtually um, until we can get out of school. <laughs> right. Um, I'm excited. I haven't even met my my niece who was born in March. Oh yeah. Um, I know. But I will meet her hopefully before she goes to prom, and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, definitely before she's, prom. <laughs> she's gonna have all her teeth, though. She may not be in a prom dress, but she'll have all all of them canines by the time I see her. And so, yeah, yeah. my sister but, didn't meet lavender until March, and my sister stationed stationed in Japan, so it was it was yeah, it it's you know it, it's not the easiest, but you'll meet her before prom. I promise. <laughs> Okay, you promised. So I'm going to hold you to that. Um, And yeah, I'm excited to see what you create. So again, you know, I wanted to just talk about a lot of different things. Was there anything that you wanted to say or that we or a question you had or anything you wanted to bring up? No, you know, well, I say no, and then I, it's like the disclaimer. But no, actually, I, I, you know, I, I love that you're doing this. I love that it's network and spill. I love that it's about connecting t- with people. I- I'll say this. Um, one of the things that I have been challenged by in a good way when it comes to meeting people, and perhaps somebody and several people have said this already on your podcast, but I'll reiterate it. It's pushing past uh, assumptions or biases. I've met some amazing people who on first impression, they seem so off-putting or you know, you kind of look at them and you're like, what's her problem? And or his problem, but in most cases for me, it's like what's her problem, and they turn out to be some of the some true gems. And it's really it has helped me to. There's a quote I, and people attribute it to Lincoln, um, and he says, "I don't like that person. I need to get to know them." And it helps me a lot because in those times, especially when you're stressed out, when you've either moved to a new country because you're a military or expat, or when you're moving to a new job and you just, you know, everything's all overwhelming and you're trying to get adjusted. You just kind of put it, put in perspective, like one, you don't know the person. So get to know them to decide whether you like them or not. And then two, be open and be welcome to uh, a totally different experience. And it's not always easy because you want to find the person who you click with or who you fit with. Um, but I, I prefer to find the person who challenges me because I'm, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all fig- figured out. And sometimes like the person who challenges me is like that sandpaper smoothing out some of my rough edges that don't necessarily have to be there. So that's, that's what I found in all these networking opportunities, just meeting people who are so different and actively seeking to connect with people who are different from me in a way that, um, you know, that's not stressful, that does not interrupt with or interfere with my peace, but that helps me to be a better person and connect with more people uh, down the road. So hopefully that doesn't sound like I was lecturing anybody. It was just it was a thought off the dome. Like, it's not easy. Kind of like Malcolm Gladwell's new book about with the, with the, was it the, with the stranger song. Don't quote me on that. I haven't even finished the book, so, but it has to do with strangers and like trying to connect with strangers. So, so yeah. I got to read that. And I actually don't know if I've, I haven't heard the Lincoln quote in a long time, if I have heard it before, but I, I do agree. I like that a lot. And I think one of the things that I find that people, especially who are friends Mm -hmm. deal with um, is, is like a huge issue is dealing with the prickly pieces of the other person's like personality Mm -hmm. or just like persona. And so, you know, we're going to be challenged just Mm -hmm. like our siblings challenge us Mm -hmm. and our parents challenge us and our spouse challenges us. 
or our plants or whomever is in our <laughs> life that we are around all the time, we are supposed to be challenged. And if it were all easy, it would be mad boring. Mm-hmm. And there isn't growth or this learning of a different perspective unless you're shown that perspective. So that's the beautiful thing about, you know, growing up on military bases is that was really probably one of my best experiences, um, honestly, as like a human on mm-hmm. this planet, as a black person, mm-hmm. because when you're on base, you're not really treated. At least I didn't feel like I was being treated um, the same way that I felt off base. Yeah. And um, I definitely felt safer and I definitely felt like I was part of a community. And I don't think that that happens anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Or at least it doesn't happen in the same way, and it doesn't happen as it does like like it does on military bases. Yeah. And I spent most of my youth on them, so it's just interesting how we don't always have that sense of safety and community mm-hmm. and um, open mindedness and just security around people. Mm-hmm. And I hope that you know one day we get to a, a place where that can be a little bit more of a norm. But I also agree that we are supposed to be challenged, and if your friends are not challenging you in so many different ways then um, you may need to up-level your social circle Mm -hmm. because let me tell you, the people that are in my social circle are challenging me and the ones who aren't are are typically the ones I don't talk to as much. So um, the goal is to always be around people who are taking you to that next level or, or, you know what I mean? Like you can kind of help them and then it's it's just a balance. So I think that's a great tip. Right on. Well, I appreciate you and I'm excited because we're going to go live on Instagram in a few days. So after this episode airs, Casey and I will be online. We'll be able to talk about whatever comes up. We'll probably talk a little bit about uh, Virginia or what's going on right now, Mm -hmm. just in the media. Um, We may talk about some books that we're reading because I know we're both really big into books. Um, What else should we talk about? Oh, goodness. Food. I'm always hungry and I can't drink any wine right now, but oh. I have a lot. So you come visit so you can have some when I can, when I'm able to drink again. <laughs> yes, because we, we, we had talked about wine when you were yes. in Spain, you were like, what kind of wine do you want? I'm like, all of it. Yeah. Like, okay, can you be more specific? And I'm like, all of it. Yes. And yeah, we, we have some wine drinking to do mm-hmm. uh, this fall. Mm-hmm. So I will be there. Um, and yeah, we'll talk about whatever you guys, if you guys have questions, bring them. We can talk about blogging and just photography, travel, etc. So we'll do a live. We'll be on for a bit. Please join us. If you listen to this episode, definitely screenshot it, share it with us. If you know somebody that's in the military or that's married to someone in the military, 1000% share this episode with them. Um, or even a military brat that you grew up uh, with, definitely share this with them. Um, anybody who's into travel, you guys know what to do. On Apple Podcasts, you can easily subscribe. On Spotify, you can easily hit the follow button. And on my website, you can easily stream, networkandspill.com. Links are in my bio. I'm really glad that you guys are here and you've made it to the end of this episode. So I 1000% appreciate and salute you. Um, yeah, and speaking of saluting, shout out to all the fallen heroes for Memorial Day we just had, everybody that's currently and that has been um, an armed force member. In any capacity, we appreciate you. And um, Casey, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Whitney. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yay. All right, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Adios. <laughs>